welcome to the Journey of Integral Recovery podcast, the podcast that follows three integral recovery practitioners on the journey of waking up, growing up, cleaning up, and showing up. Join us and our trailblazing guests as we apply the principles of integral recovery, daily practice, and the aqua map to transcend limitations, accelerate growth, and heal ourselves and hopefully the world. And now here are John Dupuy, Dr. Bob Weathers, and I'm Doug Prater with the Journey of Integral Recovery podcast, episode 39, Right-Sizing the Ego. Balancing the finite self and the infinite self. Well, um, welcome back, everyone. And uh, this is the podcast, The Journey of Integral Recovery. And this is episode 39. So we have made it this far in the journey. And we're uh, glad to be here. Glad to be hanging out together, the three musketeers of integral recovery here, and <laughs> hanging out with all of you. And I was just. Um, just in New York and Albany, I met a lot of fans of integral recovery and it was so cool because we get the emails and everything, but to meet people in person that really love this and it really uh, bonded this as part of their, their lives and their, their, their practice and their recovery and all that's just really inspiring. So I would John, imagine. John, can I ask you a question? <laughs> Thou mayest. <laughs> in our last podcast, it really came up for me and also in what you said in the previous podcast and just right now, I wanted to ask you, and uh, I realize I'm putting you on the spot, but what must it feel like to you, John, to have established a direction that has so touched Doug's life and my life? Our last episode was with Lisa Holiday. All three of us, you've been instrumental and are instrumental in our recovery. And then you go to Albany and you have all the people there with Adam Gorman's work, et cetera, uh, including in the conference you went to that uh, remark on your work, remark on this podcast and so on. And I guess I don't mean to put you on a spot. Maybe what I want to say is just I really want to honor you, John. And uh, I just, I, I, my eyes teared up when Lisa was talking about the impact you'd, you'd had for her on her before she even met you. And it's so relevant to my own story. It's absolutely the case for me. So I honor you, John. Thank you. Thank you, Bob. And um, how does that feel? You know, it's like when I'm in my, my God place, you know, my flow place when I'm, it's just like, of course, you know, it's like, it's not about me anyway. I mean, it is and it ain't and all that stuff. Uh, but yeah, I, I absolutely, I was feeling that. Oh, I was feeling that at the, uh, the, 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 the SUNY conference, the, the state of, uh, state of New York conference that, I, that we were presenting at with Dr. Gorman and God, it is so good to have something good to give. You know, when I start getting down, it's just, God, I have something. We have something that matters giving it to the world. And uh, I, that has just been the answer to all my prayers my whole life. You know, God, please show me a path. What am I supposed to be doing here? Especially, you know, especially after, you know, I got a college and started getting out in the world. And I vision a whole bunch praying for that. And it feels good. And thanks for noticing that, Bob. I really do appreciate it. And it is a grace and a great gift in it. It makes me grateful and very humble. It's beautiful. All that you just said, John, it's beautiful. Makes me cry even more. <clears throat> you make me think of, of a topic that, we, that we've talked about, and I think we can touch on it if it feels relevant or we can take another direction. But in a recent podcast, excuse me, in a recent Facebook uh, interchange in our Facebook group for Journey of Integral Recovery, which you all are welcome to join, by the way, totally invited. Brilliant. Um, it's a wonderful unpacking of what we do here in our podcast. Someone um, asked into this, or actually shared into this, <coughs> and you just talked into it, John, synchronistically, this uh, relationship between our small selves, our personal egos, that, you know, day in, day out, that's what I live with, is some 
self-awareness more or less in in the context of a of a lifeline to the greater self um uh god uh uh, uh the Buddha nature, uh, our true selves, however you understand that. And what she was asking about was, in recovery, how do I hold my small self with some humility in regards to not getting too inflated, even as it's hard not to, owing to the fact that I'm being vivified by this direct line to spirit? And I thought it was just an absolutely wonderful and important question and also cuts right to the chase of this strange dialectic and i experience it in my own life and i can i'll say this much and then kick it off i can feel it and i have felt it including in my recovery and it can come up in any given week surprising to me most of the time i live like you just said john i most of the time what i'm conscious of is that i uh i'm just letting something flow through that's most of the time when i speak when i write when i teach when i drum when i love uh, most of the time that's the case, but that's not what I'm talking about. It's the whatever percentage of the time where I somehow start feeling like, I'm trying to think of how this goes. How it goes for me is it doesn't go so much into to aren't I the shit. It, it can go that direction, but that's not really not how it goes. It'll be more like this for me, and it could be different for different people. It's like I'll start getting really attached to some program. I'll start getting attached to some kind of agenda, and it's subtle, but it'll come in, and I've lost the flow at that point. No, it's really important that I tell you this. No, it's really important that I show you that I can drum this way. And, uh, and I, it's the attachment that reveals the inflation. It's not so much being puffed up in a prideful way, but it's a different kind of pride, and in some ways it's more insidious because it's subtler. It sneaks in the back door. So I wanted just to bring that to us. It was a request of the Facebook group and see what you guys have to say about this uh, in your own lives, but also in regards to recovery, because I think it is really pertinent. There's so much focus on uh, in recovery, including an integral recovery, on developing one's spirituality. How do we get close to God and not uh, take on being God? Well, and, and, you know, developmental, there, there are pathologies with that, you know, if you're at an egocentric level, if you have a, a, you know, a God experience, a unit of experience, you can come back and say, hey, I'm Jesus, you know, I'm the yeah, shit, yeah. right? And boom, that's a big inflation. It causes all kinds of issues. And hopefully, you know, you get smacked around enough and you're going you know, <laughs> fall on your face and go, okay, okay, there's something else, something I'm in. And, you know, when you get to the, the, the ethnic or the blues we talk about in, uh, or amber, depending what, but but the traditionalist kind of fundamentalist level of morality at that point, you know, in the traditional, especially in the Catholic Church, if anybody would get to that, there is only God or I am God. Uh, uh, Bruno Giardino, I think, was his name, started running around Rome, going, "I'm God, I'm God." He was, and we all are. But that ain't okay in medieval cat uh, or even Renaissance Catholicism. He got burned at the stake for his. Uh, and even the great Catholic mystics, St. John of the Cross, Teresa, when they start talking about the highest levels of the experience of God, they really crouch it in all these kind of metaphysical things. You can't just say the ultimate realization is I am that, okay? Because that ain't cool, and that's cool, right? So uh, you, and, and as you go up, you know, you'll interpret it different. If you're all orange and modernistic, you'll just talk looking at the brain and what it does and how I had the experience. Is it real? Uh, the game, The brain, as we know now, is is geared for that stuff. And so what do you do with that? You know, uh, is it just a illusion of the brain or is it some deeper reality? Well, it really feels like the deepest, deepest reality. So anyway, there can be all kinds of problems and the ego tends to inflate a little bit. 
Of course, you know, I've been in the uh, Machine Gun Kelly uh, St. Valentine's Day School of Eagle Deflation for a large part of my life. And, uh, yeah, it's really hard to pump it up. <laughs> it's been so shot full of holes. And, when, yeah, it, you know, and if it inflates a little bit, well, so what? Welcome to humanity. We like to do that. But, you know, if you're practicing and you're honest, you know, it's not going to last for too damn long. And if you're so unself-aware that you can't see it or get it, but I don't think we have to beat ourselves up about it. It's just another one of our, if we're, if we're in the, you know, we're in the zone, if we're practicing and, 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 you know, in recovery or, or working on ourselves, you know, you can go, Oh, well, look, I just felt really proud. And there's, there's some, I think they used to say in Christian things, there's a godly pride, you know, when you're pride about the right things, you know, it's like, Oh, I stuck it out and I helped some people. And this goddamn mess of me actually did some good in the world. And, damn, I feel good and I'm happy and I'm grateful at the same time. So, you know, it's so, it's, I wouldn't worry about it. And, and I think when I was in the call, the Christian call, man, they're always whacking anybody. Feel good about yourself, your ego, sinful nature, you're arrogant, you're lifted up in pride and blah, blah, blah. They spend most of your time trying to whack you down. So you'd be nice little, you know, you'd be subservient and be humble and do what they told you because they really believe they were God's voice, yeah. you know? So I don't know. That's just an open, Thank just you. open comment. Thanks, John. That's really helpful to lay it out. Really appreciate that. Now, Doug, how about you? you need I think that the glimpses of that are really important, particularly as we're working on making reparations to our underdeveloped ego for, for those of us who struggled with a sense of small s self, um, getting it you know, back to that baseline in the first place, those glimpses of I am that and, and the power and the majesty and the grace of what that is are a really important motivator. But we remember too that with those in spite of those those glimpses pulling us forward this sack of bones here sitting talking to the chair is not perfect is not always that it has you know desires and and drives and makes all kinds of mistakes still and and it's it's the constant uh movement towards the potential of what we can remembering what we are and, and continually evolving towards it. That I guess is important to keep in mind because there's a difference there between what I know I am and the way I show up. And these are not necessarily the same thing, but it's, it's the quest to, to bring them together. That really is, what this life is all about. I mean, in a, in a bigger kind of sense, why we're here, why are we having this experience in the first place when we are that it's to learn to, to remember and, and leave some of that stuff behind. And so having the realization that we are all that can, I guess, distract us from, from the belief that we're not really necessarily there yet, even though we are. And that's a weird kind of non-dual idea that I don't know if I'm explaining very well, but uh, I guess that's where I am with it. At this moment, you remind me of Christian theology from a few decades back when I studied it, where there was this idea of, they called it realized eschatology. And it was the idea that the eschaton, which are the end times, are realized. And the, the formula for that was simply this phrase, already, dot, 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 but not yet. And it just came to me as I was listening to you right now, uh, Doug, that there's a way that we already are that, and that's true, and that's only ever been true and always will be, and, and also that we're not yet that, which calls, John, what you were saying in terms of really holding a healthy relationship to humility, and the paradox is that both of those are true simultaneously. I yeah. am that, and I sure as hell ain't that. 
or I ate all that, <laughs> you know, whatever it would be. It's like holding both of those. It's like going east on a westbound train. <laughs> well, you know, and, and I have, I don't know, I've never said this before, but I have a pretty stable connection with non-duality, okay? Yeah. I mean, through grace and lots of practice and everything. But, you know, sometimes, well, yeah, I get all that, really, really. But I'm still an idiot. Okay, well, I guess this, you know, the, the old myth of you know, when you get that, all your problems disappear and you're just, you know, blissful and happy all the time. No, I go back into my, my silly making mistakes ego self. And, and uh, however, it gives me a foundation that uh, my heart desperately needed, you know, to my sensitive, super sensitive, uh, empathic self needed that kind of, uh, I need that to, to fall back on and be in. Um, there's something there's something that's shifted for me around this, John. You just provoked it. I want to ask you guys about this. In fact, I just recently had a conversation with one of our community here in the integral community. It was around self-compassion. And I've been really surprised and amazed and gratified by this is that when I'll move into the old reflexive self-judgments, in will come just what you just said, John. And it actually, for me, it's interesting for me because I don't really hold theism in my front yard. It will come in as as uh, as if it's God's perspective. And it will be God's mercy on my falling down on my face. It will be God's mercy on my imperfections, on my impatience, on my blowing my top. You know, the various things that can go sideways that I, I've only ever been ashamed of. And I'm a work in progress on this, but it's palpable for me that there will be oftentimes, if not immediately, pretty doggone quickly. It just came up this last week, and I can't even call up the example of it. What was amazing to me is something shitty happened. I probably perpetrated it, and in came grace uncalled for. I wasn't looking for it. I didn't drop to my knees. It dropped inside of me, and I'm really so grateful for that, and I really do believe in the spirit of all of our conversations, it's a fruit of the practice, particularly for me, the forgiveness practice. I've just, I've needed to open up an aperture that was just practically sealed off like Fort Knox, and now what's happening is that almost as a knee-jerk reflex in, the respo- in response to judgment from inside and even outside, you guys, even outside, when it comes from outside, like in the university, I'll have interactions that could just shame the shit out of me for whatever reason. There's like a mercy that comes in that doesn't forget um, uh, who I am, warts and all, and I'm so grateful for that. I take no credit for that other than like your Sam Sneed story, John, from the last podcast is that I'm practicing a lot. And it seems like I'm getting luckier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's a, one of the, this, this also relates back to episode 38 that we talked about with Lisa and the importance of creativity practice in your recovery, because part of its power is that it forces us to confront that, that, that part of ourself, that part of our nature in whatever your particular creative practice is. And, you know, it can come in any form, but it forces us to come face to face with the difference between small self and big self in a very real way. It forces us to confront our shame and our fear and our self doubt. And there's nowhere to hide as long as we're leaning into it. And that is the edge of growth. That is where we move forward to. Um, There's a, there's a really famous audio clip, uh, an interview in which uh, Ira Glass talks about the difference between where we are and where we need to be when we're creating great art. For example, I'm writing and I know I have this story inside me and I've read all these great writers and I have this vision of what my book can be, except it's not there. And the same is 
true for guitar players, for artists, for whatever your calling may be. Even drummers, Bob. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, John. I felt so left out. (laughs) It's hard to believe, but even drummers. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Doug. Our creative practices allow us to continue showing up and looking at that gap, that chasm between where we are, we need to be and leaning into it with all the courage and vulnerability that we possess and continue to develop more. And that's what meditation practice does too, as we recognize that we are that and always were. And the difference between our small self gives us a much clearer picture of the difference between the two, where we are and what we are. I just had an aha experience listening to you, Doug. I've never once connected this till right now, you guys is that one of the two or three uh, uh, most respected creativity researchers on the planet is at Harvard. His name is Albert Rothenberg. And I think I've mentioned him here before. He's the one that has the theory of creativity. His definition of creativity is a term he's come up with, homospatial process. I think I mentioned it recently. But it's the idea that no matter whether it's in scientific endeavor or art or any other form or manifestation of it, it's the bringing two things into the same space, homo spatial. There's two things into the same space that were previously seen as incommensurable. That is, they don't mix. I never thought of it till I was listening to you, Doug, is that that's really what I'm struggling with, with this question that this, uh, that came up in the Facebook group is, how do I hold the small S self that, that uh, has good reason for humility, but hold that in relationship to the great uh, self, the big S self, like you said, John, godly pride. How do I hold personal humility in the context of godly pride and hold both those together? And if I hold that together the way that you were just talking about, Doug, could there be any more uh, existentially centered creative process than that alone? It's just a pure creative process of holding the tension of those two apparent opposites. And out of that comes our growth. But how do we grow without getting inflated? Well, well, then we're back. Then we all sleep back to a little bit of humility, but don't lose your touch with your connection to God. And so on it goes. Yeah, yeah, keep really, yeah <laughs> really, really appreciate that. You guys, it's really helpful to talk this out with you guys. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. I, I had a, I had a vision, believe it or not today. And, uh, I was, when I was meditating this morning, I was, I used, uh, getting ready. I always used Doug's warm up track from stealing flow. That gets me in the zone. <laughs> and it's, anyway, then I then I was using uh, uh, it's, it hasn't been released yet as of this recording, but it's called Strong Medicine from uh, Nadja Lin in Berlin. She's a recovery sister and a great artist, and she's just an awesome. I love, every time I'm in Berlin, I stay with her, and uh, we've had a great relationship over the years. And so I listened to that for 22 minutes, and then I did uh, the 20 minute deeply uh, theta, which we just released a few days ago. <laughs> And I had this vision. I was thinking about the same thing, you know. It's like, what do we do with this stuff? And I had one of these moments of, you know, God presence or just, you know, warmth and beauty and, and bliss and peace and just infinite expanse. And, and then what happens when we have that, we can take that connection and we can bring that back to the small self, Okay. And, and that's, we use that love and that limitless freedom that 
you know, when I'm in that place, I don't feel, I don't grieve my father. I don't have all my resentments. It's all gone. So my essential self, whatever that is, isn't about grief, ain't about pain, ain't about uh, being puffed up. Ego egg is not, it's not there. It's all gone. That old stuff. And you bring it back. And that seems to flavor the whole ego self. So I bring back and I saw this just kind of all this, this kind of stuff being transmuted into gold. Okay. And then I had the vision. This is a, a, a visual thing that this, this, enlightened Buddha, godlike creature of the vision was going then once it had taken that back into the individual ego and cleaned and transmuted all that deficit into asset, into beauty, into creativity, into love and compassion and intelligence and all of that stuff and forgiveness, uh, was able to go out into the world. And as it went out in the world, there was all this dark stuff and it was, as it was touched by this love from this enlightened being, it started turning into gold. You know, it was transmuted. And that's the old alchemist thing. You know, take the base metals, lead and whatnot, and turn it into gold. And, of course, that was symbolic in Jung's opinion, and probably mine too, that that was symbolic of the inner work of taking all our hurt and our pain and the hatred and despising and ourselves and the whole thing and transmuting it into into higher consciousness and love and compassion. So that, that were the vision. Mm-hmm. You would call that a very big vision. <laughs> he talked about in our lifetime, we may have a few big dreams. That's a no, that's incredible, John, what you just shared with us. Thank you so much. So yeah, thank moving. you for letting me share it. It oh, just got more wow. real and compelling, wow. you know. Amazing, John. You know, and the other thing is, you know, you guys have talked a lot about, you know, your shame and stuff in, uh, in, in this ongoing journey. Yeah. These podcasts are really a journey. It's well-named. <laughs> Um, and I just see you two as some of the most beautiful people I've ever met in my life, you know? So, so again, it's that old, uh, Lou Reed song, I'll be your mirror, you know? And sometimes we need that when we can't see it in ourselves. We just see the darkness and the hurt and everything, you know, when you, how, how's the song go? It says, when you think the, uh, 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 the darkness has your mind and inside you're twisted and unkind. Let me stand to show that you are blind can't see it, but I can see it. I'll be your mirror. You know, so. I, want to tell a, I want to tell a story here, John, and it's about you. It's actually about you and your wife, Pam. Um, and I don't think I've told you this, Doug. <clears throat> I, I, uh, John, you and I were in contact early on, and then we met in Boulder um, for the, um, the, the first conference, which was the, um, um, the, uh, the Buddhism fourth conference, yeah, yeah. the fourth turning conference, which is the basis of Ken's new book, in fact. And I met you, and I was staying at a hotel. I, I, don't, I didn't understand uh, Boulder, so I got this hotel that's on the outskirts of town, Doug. So I'm nowhere close to town. I don't know what to flip. It looked like it was close on the map, but it's not. And so I couldn't, I couldn't walk, or it would be like half a day to walk there. So uh, uh, John and Pam, who were living right in the center of town, like two minutes from where it was going to be held at uh, – at the integral center would drive out to meet me. So I still remember the first day, John, I can remember you turning the corner in your, in your truck and coming into the hotel and picking me up. First time we'd laid eyes on each other. We got in there and we got to talking immediately. And somewhere in that first day, you and me and Pam were together. In fact, I think maybe Pam, it was Pam that brought me back that night. And uh, uh, I think some of or across the course of the course of that day, I shared with you guys my story. I was too ashamed to share it with you uh, through email. My story of my own um, addiction, which you knew about, but the horrible consequences of my addiction, which had included the loss of a tenured professorship, 
in the university. And subsequent to that, the loss of my license as a clinical psychologist, it was too painful to talk about. Um, it really was. And, and we talked about it. And I can still remember it was actually talking to Pam on the way home that night. And, and it was your spirit with us because it, it it's all mushed together for me. But I love Pam's response. And this is the first 24 hours that we've been together. She, she said uh, she extended forgiveness or, or compassion, but she didn't do it in a cheap way. You remember how Dietrich Bonhoeffer talked about cheap grace? It wasn't cheap grace. She said, she said are you working on getting your act together? In essence, she you know, talked more specifics about the things that I had done that led to my loss of license. And so, first of all, it included my sobriety, but that was just the beginning point. I had to clean up my inner act in terms of vulnerability psychologically. Ironically, the alcohol and other drugs I used were to quash the demons. And if you don't deal with those demons, and that's really what she was asking. She's a therapist by background. She's asking the right question. And so I responded sincerely and vulnerably with her, enough so that she responded in kind. I was so touched by that. So she wasn't holding me out there like a butterfly on the end of a pen or something like that. She joined me in that dialogue, and you did too, John. That's full forgiveness. That's full inclusion. And it doesn't, John, you just went all blurry on me. Yeah, I did. There you um, are. You're back again. You're here again. I, I, I was coughing. I muted myself, but apparently have a hell of a powerful cough. It just <laughs> changes the whole world. Yeah. <laughs> Get some cough. That drop. would be the small S self. <laughs> right. yeah. I've lost my direction with this. I just want to say that the story is the true story. And the, and the idea of it is that, that there it is, is, is this kind of, you know, you talked about being a mirror, John, you from the very beginning uh, in our correspondences, and then eventually in our meeting face to face. And I include Pam in this too. Should probably include Lucy in this as well. Your dog is Thank that you. you guys extended such grace and compassion to me, and you've mirrored the wholeness that, that I am. The wholeness includes the shadow that was in need of regeneration and restoration, and that work continues. And so, and I know you do the same thing to Doug, and then we have a community here. So I, uh, I'm utterly grateful to you for that, and I want Pam to know the same thing. That was incredible to me. I came home to, to Colleen. It was before we were married. I came home to Colleen, and I told her because I still was – really cautious about sharing this because I had experienced so much approbation from my profession. I was just gun shy to the extreme. There was such grace in that. And I think what made it real is it wasn't carte blanche. It wasn't carte blanche. It was like, no, no, you hold yourself responsible to the practice, Bob, all the interior work you need to do, all the therapy you need to do, all the supervision, all the spiritual development, all of that. But if you do that, and I, uh, she says, if you do that, and you can share with me with sincere heart that you're in the process of recovering your true self, then I invite you in. And I didn't know that she would. I didn't know that you would, John. I wasn't sure of that. I was really scared that maybe this is going to be the thing that, that uh, leaves me on the margins. Okay, thank you for sharing that, Bob. Goodbye. I really did, John. I never told you this before. And your grace and Pam's grace, I, I, uh, if what it does for me, is it inspires me even more so to live up to it because you guys set a high standard for me. Yeah. I'm utterly grateful to you, brother. Well, well, yeah, well, I get it much, most credit to Pam in that moment, you know, but I mean, it's not, you know, that's not saying, oh, it's okay. Oh, it's no. okay. okay. It no, isn't okay. It wasn't okay. No, are you going to redeem your life and, and, yeah. and show up and be responsible? Yeah. And that, yeah. Obviously, it's not to you, Bob. That's, and, you know, they used to say when you're pointing a finger, there's at least three coming back, you know, uh, it's for all of us, you know. Yeah. 
yeah, we suffer and we've done really bad things. It's not okay, but we can make it okay. You know, we can turn those, as I said, those deficits into assets yeah. if we do the work. And I've never seen, I've never seen, I've never seen you point your finger at me, John. You include your own suffering, your own losses, which are great, your own depression, your own acquaintanceship with darkness. Pam did in that moment. It meant so much to me to not be isolated as kind of like the mascot for fucked upness. She joined me as a human being in that. And so it makes her holding me accountable even uh, 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 it's got a foundation that really matters to me because I'm not being, I'm not her, I'm not the projection of her shadow. We're all in the soup together. It really meant the world to me. I really hope that Pam sees this and that you'll tell her. I yeah, need to tell her to, I need to tell her to. It's really, that's five years ago and it's, it's never left me, John. That's awesome. Oh, God bless her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's, she's amazing. She helped a lot of people. Uh, mm-hmm. Tremendous therapist. And without her, the whole I awake thing, integral recovery, I could even have written the book. So much it mm-hmm. depended on. Uh, I had some time off <laughs> from a job, and uh, um, anyway, I, I had to leave because I was getting integral in a very great <laughs> organization, and I wasn't um, integrally mature enough to know how to deal with that. You know, I was like, I'm born again, <laughs> everything, you know, and I was pushing down everybody's throat, and they really didn't like it. So I, I did have some time to write the book, and she supported me in that. And to my credit, I did redeem the time. You know, I just didn't sit around and, you know, watch Mike and Mike in the morning or something. Uh, you know, I, I actually wrote the book, got it done. Yeah. So, Thank God for that. Good. Amen. So, but uh, yeah, without this, any, any of this Pam is like, Doug, does any of this resonate? I'm sure that it does. I just want to check in with you. I so value your perspective. This is all incredibly, it's touching me in so many different places that I just am, am, am silent to process everything that's being said and reflect on my own experience because yeah, I, I feel very much the same way. So eternally grateful to to the sense of grace that John you have shown me, and that you know Pam has shown me. You guys, you guys, and Bob that you have shown me. You you guys didn't know me at all, really, other than the weekly conversations John and I had been having before we formed this thing, and the acceptance and and the healing and the courage and the sense of it's okay to be who I am as long as I'm continuing to do the practices as I have always been. And as we all continue to do, regardless of what our issues in our past are, is, is such a, a blessing. It has lent me a, an acceptance of myself that even in the earlier stages of my recovery, I still never quite had, which doesn't absolve me from the responsibility of continuing to move forward. But you know, without that grace, it would have continued to be a struggle. And it has empowered me too, given me the courage to continue to do that kind of deeper internal work, really looking at some of the shadow issues that remain and have remained. I have practiced my goal this year, and I've spoken about it a little bit before, has been to get things cleaned up, to really work on house cleaning. And, you know, the external manifestation of that was was getting rid of the stuff that I no longer needed within my home, but more importantly was getting inside and, and transmuting to use your, your vision from earlier, John, transmuting some of these things that no longer served me into the gold that they could become. I've used the, uh, I wake profound releasing for that. I have done a lot of work with the practice of letting go. I have uh, more recently been doing a, a shamanic journey practice. This is kind of a, a practice where where I'm going on a vision quest of 
deep into the basement of the subconscious and energetically, symbolically, archetypally confronting some of these demons and then, mm. you know, coming back up at the end, locking the door and then ascending up into the celestial realm where I confront all the potential good things in there that are shadow too mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and coming back down and out into the world. But accepting either of those things, working with either of those things to the level that I am able to do today and allowing them to be integrated into my understanding of who I am and who I was and who I can be and the big S self and the small elf self sense and, and every other sense of the word is, is very much empowered by what has unfolded here in, in the past 10 months, 11 almost a year now that I've known the two of you. And so Bob, getting back to your original question, so what happens if you get a little inflated? I would say if you, you know, if you're working on yourself and you know, if, if your wise self can just like, Hey, little fella, I love you. You know, you're going to be fine. Oh, really? <laughs> you know, just, just realize that, you know, so many of our egos, you know, talking about, you know, in recovery from whatever it is, you know, are, are so shattered and so beat up, you know, it's like, we're not here to beat the ego down. The, the, most of the people that come to this sort of thing have already been beaten down the times. And, uh, how do you, how do you, uh, you know, Hey, you do something good. You feel good. You know, I used to say to my students that, uh, you know, in doing drugs, you get to use drugs to feel good. Okay. You know, and, and that didn't work out too well. Right. But, but in, in real life, you know, or in recovery, however you want to say that you got to do good things to feel good. And so if, uh, you know, I don't know, I, I, I just think the, the universe is so faithful to, uh, you know, take our little moments of, you know, even if it's twisted and it's a little arrogant or anything, they're like, okay, you know, among the great sins of the world, it's probably not one of the biggest. So I wouldn't worry about it too much. Let, let me share something, uh, John. I, I, it's been bugging me as we've been talking because it's been on the fringes of my awareness. And so right now I just looked it up. I want to share two things with you. This is a quote from the Tao Te Ching. This is Lao Tzu. I'd forgotten this, and it was just the language you were using. He says this. It's just one sentence. He says, if you want to shrink something, you must first allow it to expand. Ah, nice. Isn't that nice? Yeah. yeah. To, to, to allow for, to really forgive the expansion because whatever shrinking, whatever the program calls it right-sizing, whatever right-sizing is necessary may well require some inflation, some expansion. The second thing I wanted to say is from Jung, and, and he put it this way, uh, and it, this is also triggered by what you just said. He says, if we will turn our attention to the self, and he meant the self with a big S, if we'll turn our attention to the self, the self will turn its attention towards us. I love what you've talked about uh, throughout this conversation, John, which is, I think, a real uh, compassion, a real breadth. Yeah, I, uh, allowing for our humanity. I really bless you. I mean, that's presumed in Doug's and my, my experiences of you. you you've only allow, allowed for our humanity. You've mirrored the diamond inside both of us, and that diamond is encased in, in humanity, in this life, in this mortal, this mortal coil. And um, I've only ever experienced that with you. I don't know that the audience gets this. They must get this. John is fucking hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It gets really out of hand sometimes. 
it is out of hand. It's totally out of hand. And that's really what I'm so grateful for is that when I bring some kind of slug-like suffering to you or self-mortification or some variants of that, you always tease the hell out of me and, it, and, it, and it's curative. So thank you, John, for being um, yeah, the full-bodied representation of all we're talking about. The laughing Buddha, huh? The laughing Buddha. Yeah. <laughs> In terms of thinking about the big S self and the small F self mm-hmm. and, and the inflation of the ego, I am recalling now the, the famous parable of the student who shows up to learn Zen and the master who pours the tea into his cup, which is already full. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the tea spills out everywhere because there's nowhere for the tea to go. And that's mm-hmm. when, when we think we know everything, that's exactly what happens, of course, when we mm-hmm. get, get too caught up in, in what the smallest self has, has done. You know, there's no room left to learn anything. And being in the presence of other people who, who are on the journey, of other people who are... Because everyone, everyone has the potential to teach us something if we can humble ourselves enough to listen. That's, that's a lesson there. And that's important to remember that we do make progress in recovery. We do learn things on our meditative path, on our spiritual journey throughout this. But allowing others to continue to teach us and leaving the space for that is mm-hmm. one, of the, one of the gifts of being part of this community and that both of the two of you bring and that hopefully we can all continue to give one another. You know, and I was thinking a new interpretation of that particular koan is maybe when you get so full of God or the tea of the inner thing that it just starts spilling out everywhere. You know, it just overflows. That's a nice, nice hit on that, too. And look, I wanted to say one thing before we check out. We're all headed to, uh, to Palo Alto uh, mm-hmm. this week. We'll be there to be the first time the three musketeers are actually together. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. physically. Right, and, right, uh, right. So we're going to be in Palo Alto for the trans, uh, the Trans Tech Conference, Transformational Technology Conference within Palo Alto. And then we've been invited to participate, as far as I Awake goes, uh, at the SANS, the Science and Non-Duality Conference, which is in San Jose, which is like 20 miles away from the other one. So we're going to be there for that. At least Doug and I will be there. Bob, I don't know That's if you'll good. be there, but we're invited <laughs> because the, the theme of this year is, you know, technology that actually transformational, spiritual technology that helps one experience these mm-hmm. non-dual states. So if anybody's around that area and you'd like to, you know, get a hold of us and like to say hello or have mm-hmm. tea or coffee or work out with us in the gym or play tennis with me or something like that, let us know. Okay. You have the contact mm-hmm. information. And uh, the three of us were very, I know I'm, I'll speak for you. I'm very excited about actually getting together with you guys. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, bringing, I'm bringing guitars, a guitar for, for me. And uh, cause we're driving. We've got a lot of stuff to bring for the Bobby's con. Bobby's bringing some drums. He's bringing some toys, too. So we're going to play a lot of music and have a lot of yeah. fun. Together. Yeah, Doug, maybe we can put this out on the website because I know this podcast will be delayed in this production. But we yes. can put this out on the podcast, uh, on the Facebook group in some form because our we may have members up there who are, who are uh, interested and able to come see us. That'd be awesome. That'd be, That'd good be a great idea. We definitely should. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Thank you guys. You yeah. Everybody out there, thank you again for showing up. Thank you for working on yourself. Thank you for falling on your face. And, you know, just get back up and keep going. It gets better. It's, it's better. The more, the deeper you go, the better it gets. No fear about going deep because that's where all the goodies are. So keep going deep. And then the goodies from the depth come, flows out to everything. And it's all, it's all really good. So anyway, thank you guys. And uh, see you next time. God bless. 
thanks for joining us for this episode of the Journey of Integral Recovery podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by iAwake Technologies. Visit IntegralRecoveryInstitute.com slash iAwake for the best meditation tracks to support your daily recovery practice. If you enjoyed today's episode, visit us on iTunes and hit subscribe for a new episode every Friday. While you're there, you can help others share the journey and the joy of integral recovery by leaving your five-star rating and a quick review. We're grateful for your support, and we'll see you next time on the Journey of Integral Recovery podcast.